Thank you for choosing the Abide College Ministry Podcast. If this is your first time listening, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message inspires and challenges you. Now here's a message from one of our leaders, Blake Klein. We're here tonight and you're new. Uh, we're so glad that you're here. You may not know why you're here. You may not want to be here, but hey, you're here, so enjoy it. So tonight we're going to take just a short break. Uh, from Philippians, and we're going to talk out of a few verses in John chapter 15. Um, And I just want to take a break because I know we have some spring breaks coming up, and so I wanted to kind of, when we get back from that, we'll get back rolling in Philippians, and I think that God will continue to teach us some things through those those words of Paul. And so tonight, uh, I think that something that I want us to understand tonight is what does it look like for our souls to find something that it can trust? Like our souls to find something that it can rest in. Our souls can find something that it can find peace in. And that's my hope for for what we're about to dive in tonight. That's my hope for what God maybe will move in your heart or show you tonight. So would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. God, I just ask that you would lay aside every distraction in this room tonight. I would ask that you would lay aside the things that uh, may be holding us back, may be holding me back, whatever uh, is going on tonight in someone's life, God. I just pray you would move that to the side. Jesus, we we love you and we thank you and we, we, we are so thankful for who you are. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. All right, so I have a cat and his name is Leo. And are there any cat fans in here? No? Very, some people hate, who hates cats? Like, wow, that's rough. All right, so I have a cat and his name is Leo. And I have had this cat for about four, four or five years now. And so I found this cat on the side of the road, and, like, it ran up to me, and, like, what, what was I supposed to do? Like, you can't, like, leave it there to die, right? It was, like, a little, tiny little kitten. And so I grabbed him, and I went to my house. I was like, Mom, we got a cat. And she's like, no, we don't. And uh, I was like, no, we got a cat. And so I got this cat, named him Leo. Um, I, sometimes I, I call him Leo, like, Leonardo DiCaprio. Get it? Like, Le- get it, right? So, like, Leonardo DiCaprio, corny, whatever. So I have this cat, and uh, recently um, my mom got sick of it. So I live in, in Armurchie in an apartment, and my mom got sick of the cat living back home in Cordill because she was like, I don't want to clean his litter box out. I don't want to feed him. Like, he's not my cat. Like, it's not mine. It's yours. Like, come and get this cat. And I was like, I really don't want to do that. Like, my lamp, it costs like 300 bucks to, like, have a pet. She was like, if you get caught, I'll pay for it. So now I have this cat in my apartment. I ain't paid the $300, and I love this cat. He's a great companion. He's a great friend of mine. So, like, I wake up every morning, and he's sitting there by the – y'all are going to make fun of me later for this, but whatever. He's, he's sitting there um, on the bed with me most, most mornings, and, and, like, the reason I like this cat is he has a personality. And, and the thing about Leo is that there is a lot to love about Leo. So what I mean is, like, some people call him fat, but I call him fluffy. Like, he's like a – he's a fluffy cat, but he's really fat. And so what that means is he eats a lot of cat food. And this is, like, a problem for two things, one for my bank account – and for these early mornings where I think about killing him. Because, like, it's about 3 o'clock in the morning, and, like, if he runs out of cat food, he comes to the door. Like, I'll close my door sometimes, and he'll start pawing at it and knocking it. And it's like 3 in the morning, I'm like, Lord, like, I can't do this right now. And so, like, he, he keeps pawing and meowing and meowing, and, like, eventually I'll, like, get up. And you know what's the worst, okay? Let me tell you what I had to do the other day. So I had, like, 
it was like 3 in the morning. He was out of cat food, all right? And so it's like there's no stores open. I can't go get any cat food for him. And he just keeps meowing and meowing and meowing, and he would not shut up. And so I had this, like, leftover piece of, like, fried chicken in the fridge. And so I got this piece of chicken, and I, like, pulled all the meat off of it, and I, like, threw it in the floor, and he, like, ate. And, like, this cat, like, is hungry sometimes, and, like, he knows where to go to, right? You come from me, right? So, like, he comes in there, and he meows, and he cries out. And it's like, you know, that's what we do. Like, when you're little and you're really hungry, like, you go to your mom, like, hey, mom, make me a, make me a sandwich. When I was little, I would be like, hey, mom, make me a jelly sandwich. I didn't like peanut butter. So she would make these jelly sandwiches for me. So there's this idea that, what are you laughing at? So there's this idea that, like, for us, right, like, when we're hungry, we, we go to something for it. That's the same thing for our souls tonight. There is this hunger in us, this desire to satisfy in us of this hunger of our soul. And, and, and for many of you tonight, you're crying out, you're meowing, you're looking for something to satisfy that hunger. And I think there are these two types of hunger. And, and as I began to think about this, like, I wanted to kind of understand that, like, what does it look like to be hungry inward, like emotionally, right, and mentally, but also the hunger physically. Not like appetite, but like the hunger of our purpose and the hunger of the, what we want to do with our lives. And so I kind of I wrote it out like this. The, our inward hunger is this right here. It is the desire to resolve a longing inside of us. Like it's this desire to resolve this thing in us that is like our purpose and the thing that we want and like whatever emotions that we have, whatever thoughts that we have, whatever things that we have going on. Some of you may be dealing with like, anxieties or fear or joy or whatever different emotion and and in us there's this hunger to resolve that and deal with that then not only that that's that's the inward right well i believe there's also the outward and the outward is this it's this desire to resolve the longing of our life purpose so like whatever experiences you have in life whatever things you go through emotionally physically whatever it is leads you to the place in which you believe this is what i was made for and for us that hunger is like okay I realize, like, my inner hunger, and now I live that out, and that resolves my outward hunger. So for some of you, my girlfriend is a, is a nursing student, and different life experiences, whatever it may be, like, led her to have this outward hunger, this outward purpose of being a nurse. What a, for Kendall, you want to be a, what, a psychiatrist or a counselor, right? And so this, this inner, like, desire, things that have gone on in your life has led you to this outward hunger and this desire to do that. And, and, and for those of you that have kind of grown up in church, and you've, or maybe not even in church, I think this is something that is commonly used, is this idea of a hunger of the soul, right? Like, have you ever heard that statement, like, hunger of the soul? Like, what is your hunger of the soul? What does your soul want? And it's this idea that we think about, and, and for me tonight, I want us to look at this idea, uh, what, is, what is the soul? What is the soul? Right? And, and for me, like, I, I was looking it up, and, and I was like, okay, I want to know what, not necessarily what the English definition of the soul is, but, but when these words in the Bible talk about the soul, what does it mean? What does it mean for us? What does it mean for our life? And what does it mean for us as creation of God? And the English translation or the English definition of the soul is this. And, and this is how I think most of us view soul is this. The immaterial or the spiritual part of the human being or animal, kind of weird, regarded as immortal. So it's this idea like... Uh, when you die, how many of you believe or have heard the statement that when you die, that your, your soul will leave and you'll be in the presence of whatever afterlife you believe in? So that's kind of the idea of soul, right? But when, when I began to look this up in the Bible, this is not at all 
what the soul needs. And I was confused by this. I was like, wait a second. So what I've been believing has been wrong this whole time. Yes. This idea of, of soul in the Bible is, is this, this Hebrew word, and it's weird. It, it's the word nefesh. So if any of you, I know Macon has taken Hebrew. Matt, have you taken Hebrew? So the idea of this, you haven't taken it. So it's this word nefesh, right? So, so this word is, is used up to 700 times. Like there are 700 times in the Old Testament that this word nefesh is used, and it's not only translated as soul, but there are a lot of other different words that it's translated into. Uh, it's, it is soul. Then not only that, it's, it's also translated into life, uh, lives, living. It can be also like translated into like these personal pronouns like me and I. So it's like this idea that the soul is much deeper than just this inner thing. But, but the soul, the nefesh, if you, that's what you want to call it, or the soul is simply who we are as beings. That, 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 that inward hunger, right, and that outward hunger, combined, that is who we are as souls. That is who we are as nefesh. That is who we are as beings. And what's interesting about this idea is that when you think about it, and why I think it's more beautiful than understanding it as just this inner, like, ghost-like thing that leaves our body, is that it's this idea that we are physical beings that have inward desires and outward desires, and that we are created. But what's beautiful about that is that as we are created, we have limitations, and we also have capabilities. But that means that we have limitations. Like, as, as created beings of God, we are limited in what we can do. Like, if you jump off a bridge, you ain't going to make it, right? And so, like, we, we're limited as beings. We're limited as what we can do. And so what this means is that the idea of, of the soul is this, is that, that by using nefesh, using this word, by redefining what the soul is tonight, it, it emphasizes that our entire being, our entire life, and our bodies long for something greater. That, that the inside and the outside long to be known. Long to be in the place and with something greater. But yet, more often than not, would you say this to be true of you tonight? Listen to this idea right here. That, that if we think of creation, if we're beings, and we, we recognize that we're limited. Would you say that you are limited in some of the things that you can do, right? Like, I would say the same. Like, I'm only five foot six and seven on a good day. I can't dunk. I'm limited in what I can do. And, and there's this, this idea is that, that we often look for satisfaction for other things that are also limited. But that doesn't make sense, does it? Because if those things are limited and those things can't sustain and those things can't bring us hope and those things can't be the thing that gives us the foundation of life that we need, then what will? It's this understanding that our being, our, our, our life, our physical purpose, our inward purpose, our outward purpose is looking for something that can sustain us. And we want and we seek and hope for something that we can trust in. Something that we can trust in. But that's hard, right? Like the idea of trust is this idea that's so difficult to do. I love this psalm that, that kind of just explains, like, what does this mean? What does it look like for your soul, your body, your life? Everything about you to long for something. In Psalm 42, 1 through 2, 1 through 2 I want you to kind of listen to this. It says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul, my nefesh, my life, my being, who I am for you, O God. My soul, my, my life thirsts for you, God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? It's this idea that, like, we are longing for something. We are wanting something more. There is this desire in us 
but we want something more. The, the psalmist says it like, I'm longing for you. My life is longing for something, and I believe it to be God. For us tonight, we have to reconcile with that. And it goes back to this idea that we want something that we can trust. But many of you tonight, the idea of trusting something ain't easy. For me, like, uh, my parents are divorced. And for me, the idea of trusting a relationship that works is hard for me to understand. And when I look at my relationship with God, there are moments in my life where I'm like, how can I trust that? I, don't, I have a hard time trusting that. And, and it's embedded in our culture. It's like this idea of, like, I can't trust them. i got to get my own. i got to do my thing for me. I can't let anybody in. i got to push everyone out because the only person that I can trust is myself. It's in our culture. And it's this idea that our soul wants something to trust in. And yet we try to look for things that are limited to find that trust in, but yet we really don't trust it. It's this cycle that we find ourselves in that becomes confusing and hard, and we don't seem to understand what we're doing. It's embedded in our culture. One of my favorite, my favorite musicians just this past week, he put out this song. And, and I did not realize when I was writing this message like that these lyrics would go so perfectly with what I'm talking about. And it's, this, it's by John Mayer, and it's this song called I Guess I Just Feel Like. And the beginning, like, the opening of these lines, like, it's kind of crazy to me that it shows, like, John Mayer is not a Christian. Like, if you've read any of, like, articles on him, he's not a Christian. He doesn't believe in a God. He's not, he's not into that. But the words in this lyric, like, they show this, like, desire, this want to be able to trust something. And, and the lyrics say this, I guess I just feel like nobody's honest, nobody's true, everyone's lying to make it on through. And I guess I just feel like I'm the same way, too. It's this idea that, like, we want to trust something. Our soul, our nefesh, our body, our lives desire to find rest, hope, peace, rest. Often, we look for it in limited things. See, God has created us and designed us to, to want to trust. And what I believe tonight is that what we find in, in these verses in John 15 is this idea that we can trust in who he is. We can rest in who he is. We can remain in who he is. And when we do that, that is when we find that we can truly trust him. That is when we find we, we can truly rest him. And in these verses tonight, I believe that, that Jesus, he, he's saying these things so that we will understand, like, hey, your physical being, your emotional hunger, your, your inward hunger, your outward hunger, the passions that you have, everything about your life, I care about. Jesus is saying, I care about those things, and I want you to be a part of my story of redemption. I want you to be a part of my story of hope. I want you to be a part of my story of bringing in your story and my story together. And it's this idea that God is, can use your soul. He can use your life. He can use your purposes and your being to glorify him. John 15, he, he begins saying this. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the words that I have spoken to you. He, he begins with, with this beautiful illustration of, like, vines and branches. And the reason that he's using this is that in, in that time period, it was very common for people to, like, farm and, and olive branches and grape branches and things like that. And so what he's saying here is he begins by the word that we're kind of talking about. He says, I am the true vine. I, I am what's true. I am what you can find trust in. When Jesus calls himself the true vine, he is indicating that, that he is what is true. 
And he is what is good. And he is what you can trust in. And it's not this like crazy thing that we often, we just forget about it. It's something that we often don't lean into at times. And what he's also indicating is that there are things in our life that are also false. So, so by him saying that he's true, then there must also be something that's false. And what I want to ask you tonight is what is the thing in your life right now that is the false vine, the false thing that you're remaining in, the false thing that you're resting in, the false thing that you're looking to find life from? Your soul is hungry for something. And, and what Jesus is saying, if it's not me, if it's not the true vine, then it's probably the false vine. And what Jesus is doing right here is that he is he's dividing the two. He's creating a division where he's saying, hey, you're going to have to make a decision. You're either going to have to follow me and let go of whatever it is that you're looking to find life in, whatever you're looking to find your soul's rest in, whatever you're looking to find your soul's trust in, and you're going to have to look to me as the true vine. And he says this, he says, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And then he goes on, he says, but every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. See, God does something with both branches here. So the branches, if you don't understand by now, the, the branches are those that are followers of Jesus and those that are, are not. That's simply what he's saying. And what God here, he's, he divides the two. He does something with one. What does he do with one? He throws one away and the other he prunes. And if you know anything about like pruning, so when I was growing up, like we have this fence in my backyard and my neighbor, Mr. Durham, he every about summertime, I think that's when grapes are in season, he right before a couple months, he would come out and like clip the vines and do this every single year. This man was obsessed. Every single year he would come out and do this thing. And then when they would begin to kind of grow and stuff, he would go out and he would prune them. He would take the dead ones and he would throw them away so that there would be new fruit, good fruit, fruit that could be eaten. And see, what we see here is Jesus begins by, by giving this illustration and saying, hey, God is going to take some branches of some people he's going to leave them be because they're not my followers. But he's going to do something else with the branches that begin to bear fruit. And it's this beautiful thing that there's this process in the Christian life. There's this process in following Jesus that, that Jesus is referring to here that when, when we trust in him, he begins to do something in us. He begins to prune us. See, there are those that God will leave to themselves and those that God will work in and through. He begins to shape and he begins to mold them into what he wants them to be. And if you want to know if you're living in trust in Jesus, are you seeing God prune your life? Are you seeing God take away the things that are dead? Take away the things that you don't need to have so that you can begin to bear more fruit. See, I like this quote right here. It says this, God is determined to make you more like his son Jesus. The only way that that, that will happen is by cutting away the parts that are dying so that you can grow more and more healthy in your walk. God's commitment to your fruit bearing is greater than your commitment to comfort. God's commitment to your fruit bearing is greater than your commitment to comfort. See, some of you tonight, like, you want to be a follower of Jesus, but you want to be comfortable. You want to, like, I just want to be a Jesus follower. I just want to, you know, it looks good on my Twitter. Instagram, I'm going to get some likes, and like, I got a Bible verse here, but here's the thing, like, that's a comfortable life. See, Jesus here, he's saying, no, my father's going to come, and he's going to take some, and they're going to go away, and and then there are going to be others that are followers, but what he's going to do is that he's going to begin to work in your life, and what he's going to begin to do is things are going to begin to get hard, because he wants you to be uncomfortable, so that there is this total and full 
trust in who he is and what he's doing and what he's taking and what he's giving. And that is what Jesus begins by saying. He says, I'm the true vine. My father is the, the vine dresser. And when you trust in me, my father will begin to do works in you that you may not understand. And it may be uncomfortable and it may hurt at times. But what he is doing is hoping that you will begin to be more and more healthy in your walk with Jesus. And I want to ask you this. Do you trust that God's commitment to you is about bringing your soul and your flesh, your being into alignment with who he is? Do you trust that God is committed to you? That's, that's like encouraging. Like some of the stuff that we read is really hard to handle and, and it calls us to do crazy things. But, but do you believe that God is committed to you? And when he is committed to you, that means you can trust him. That, that, that means you can lean into him. Like, like those lyrics we read earlier, like the hope that we have is different than the hope in those lyrics because we do have something to trust in. We do have something to find hope in. We do have something that we can lean into. And as we begin to trust Jesus as true, we begin to learn more and more into finding him as our soul's greatest relief. Some of you tonight need some relief. Some of you tonight need some rest. Is your soul's rest being found in the true vine, the the vine that, that gives life? This beautiful idea here, Jesus begins and he says, I'm the true vine. I'm the one you can find trust in. I'm the one that you can place your hope in. I'm the one. I am who I am. These I am statements, Jesus is clearly trying to get across to people, hey, hey, my my death is coming, and you need to understand who I truly am. And he begins here by saying, who I am is someone that brings life and brings fruit. And this fruit is what we get to live out daily. This fruit is what we get to show people about who Jesus is. This fruit is is this thing where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit are these different characteristics that that was Jesus. And what we find is this life that that we can that we can lean into. And then Jesus continues on, and he says in verses 3 through 5, he says this, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What does the the word abide mean? There's a lot of different definitions, and when I... When I was looking them up, uh, the best one to me was this idea of just to remain, to remain, to, to stay. And that goes back to the idea of trust. How many of you, I want you to think for a second, how many of you feel like there have been so many people in your life that you've grown close with, that have been there for you, and then they're not there anymore? They, they didn't remain. They didn't stay I believe tonight that those moments can lead us to something better. And the idea of abide is this means to remain like connected to him. Like, see, there's a call that, that, that we have to abide in Christ first, that we are called to remain in Christ first. And he, he says, this means to, to remain connected to me. We have to con- remain connected to Jesus. We have to get our life from him. We have to live our life out of our connection with Jesus. See, see, we get life from Jesus. When you lean into Jesus, when you begin to study who Jesus is, when you begin to go and give all your troubles and all your problems and all your hardships and all the things that you have going on to Jesus, you begin to grow intimate with him. You begin to grow close with him. You begin to know him. Do you know him? Like, not just like, 
So Jesus, knowing Jesus is not something we just, we just say, but it's the actual knowing. Like, those of you in here that have best friends, you know the things they like. You know the things they hate. Do you know who Christ is? Does he know you? Do you know each other? This idea, we, we're called to abide in him. He says, abide in me. And guess what's going to happen? I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to be with you. I, and, and as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. See, the idea here is that if you want to bear fruit, if you want to live a life that really changes the world, if you want to live a life where that inward hunger is resolved and you get to live out your purposes out of that, you're going to have to bear fruit. And that fruit comes from Christ. And when we lean into what Jesus is saying here, it shows us that we cannot live a life without bearing fruit. If you are not bearing fruit, I would say that maybe you're not following Jesus. If you're not bearing any fruit, if you don't have anything that you can say, hey, this is what people see of me, and, and it's not really me, it's Jesus, like, you probably are not following after him. And so abide means to remain. And, and, and so we get our life from Jesus, and we live out of that connection with him. We live out of that connection with who he is and what he has done for him. And we must find our life tonight from the true vine. We must find our life tonight. That idea, the soul is also translated life or being. Our life has to be found in what is true. And what does Jesus say here? He says, I am what is true. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. He's committed to you. He's working in your life. But you have to trust him and you have to lean into him and you have to grow with him. Where are you finding life from? are you finding life from like there like there are things going on like there are things going through your brain right now i can see it on your face where are you finding life from are you connected to the christ are you connected to who he is and then he goes on in verse six and i think these are the most important like verses or verse and he says this if anyone does not abide in me he is thrown away like a branch and withers Many of you tonight, your soul is just withering away. The vine. You ever uh, leave some grapes in the fridge for too long? You go in there, it's like, oh, some grapes. And they're nasty. Some of you, your souls look like that tonight. That, that your soul has begun to wither away. Why? Because there's no connection to, to the vine. There's no connection to what's true. There's no connection to that thing that you can trust and the thing that is limited, like, we're limited beings and we look for trust in limited things. That thing that we're looking to find trust in cannot give us life. And he says, if anyone does not abide in me, is thrown away like a branch and it withers. And the branches are gathered and are thrown into the fire and burned. And like, it's this idea that we can't do it without Christ. We can't live without Christ. Jesus always was talking about this idea of living in abundance. And I believe living in abundance is finding this life where in the highs and the lows and the valleys and in the mountaintops, that there are these moments that we can, we can resolve the hunger of our soul, not because of what we received from this world or not what we've received from people, but what we have received from the true vine and being able to know that we can trust in who he is, what he has done. And the reality is this, those are that are not in Christ, you're not in Christ. And if you're not in Christ, your soul will wither. You'll be gathered and you'll be left. And my hope tonight is 
not that for you. Like my hope tonight for you is that you would be able to understand where it says, apart from me, like you can do nothing. Like you cannot live life abundantly. You cannot find purpose and you cannot find hope apart from Jesus. And tonight, what I want to say to you is like, be connected to who he is because one, he's committed to you. Two, he loves you. And three, he's crazy about you. Like he knows you. He knows all those things, that soul, that nefesh. It's this beautiful idea that in Genesis where it talks about God created. We talked about, we, we sang that song earlier about God's creation. And the idea is like the word where it talks about God creating human and animals this, uh, is this word nefesh. And it's this beautiful idea that God has designed all creation. And all creation is designed for us to honor God. Are you withering away? Like, is your soul withering away? And I just want to bring this message to you. Honestly, the reason that I, I decided to do this was I was having my quiet time this week. And I was like, with the Lord, like, and honestly, and I don't say that like some super spiritual person. Because a lot of times I don't really, I don't spend time with the Lord like I need to. To be straight up honest with you. And so I get there. And I begin to read, and I'm looking at these verses, and this, this verse keeps coming back to me where it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. 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 And I begin to think about my life, and I begin to think about how I'm living, and I begin to think about the things that I'm struggling with on, with on the inside, and I begin to like, I'm like, okay, I'm struggling, so I'm going to go to Jesus. I'm struggling, so I'm going to go to him. And then I begin to think about that, and it's like, that's all messed up. Like, it's, it's right, but it's not. I don't go to Jesus just for him to resolve the things that I have going on. I go to Jesus so that I can find delight and I can find hope in him. I can find rest in him. I can find trust in him. And for you tonight, if you're not connected to him, like do not be connected just so that you'll receive something that might make you feel better. Be connected to him to find hope because God is good and God is holy and God is merciful. And we have to begin to view God as that. God is not this genie that we go to so that we can receive and feel better in this life. Because here's the thing, like this life will end. Our nefesh, our soul, it will fade and it will go away. And the Hebrew word tells us that. That's why it's so beautiful that it's not just this inner being that one day will leave our body, but it's all of us. And all of us will fade one day. And what will we have done with our soul? What will we have done with our life? What will we have done with our being? And tonight my hope for you is this, that your life, your soul, your being, your nefesh, it would find rest. It would find that thing that you could trust in. That, that when things just don't make sense, you could connect to that. That you could say, I don't, I don't need everything. I have what I need. The fruit that I bear comes from the truest of vines. The one that I can lean into, the one I can find hope in. Jesus, Jesus cares for you. And this statement here, I just want you to, to write this down if you have a pen and tab or a phone, whatever it may be. Trust in him who will remain with you as you remain in him. Trust in him. Trust in Jesus who will remain with you. He's going to remain with you as you remain in him. There's this idea that abiding is is remaining. Abiding is being with. And as we abide in Jesus, he abides in us. And we get to live out that love, and we get to be molded and shaped in the image of Jesus. See, Jesus and God, he's more, he's more committed to you looking like him than your comfortability. What will you do with that? What will you do 
is what Jesus has done for you. Are you leaning into that? Are you trusting that? Because I know your, 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 your soul, your soul is hungering for something. Your soul needs to be resolved. What will you do to get to your vine? Will you be cut off? Or will you be connected? Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, I just pray that we would lean into that. We would trust in that. We would, we would know that you're good. I just ask that you would move, God. I just pray that if there's anyone here that, that is thinking about that, and they're thinking, maybe I'm not connected. Maybe I'm not with, with Jesus. Maybe I'm not who I've been saying that I am. Maybe I'm not really a follower. Maybe I'm just another person that says they are. I just ask, God, that you would move in their heart, that they would understand that their soul is more than just the thing that leads them, but it's, it's who, who they are as people, or their, their inside and their outside, and that, God, you created them, and that you desire for them to find peace and hope and their fulfillment. Jesus, I just pray over these next few moments that you would move.